This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on a soggy Wednesday afternoon, July 12th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. A new plan to generate tax dollars in Evanston involves nonprofit organizations. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the latest edition of the Consumer Price Index is out today. And joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and Economic Futurist at AndrewBush.com. Andy, thank you for joining us today. And this most recent reading of the Consumer Price Index for the month of June is cooler than analysts were expecting. Yeah, it's basically a steep decline in gasoline prices. Um, If you exclude food and energy, so you get at the core of CPI, it was 4.8%. I mean, the headline number will say three. Everybody will think, oh, the Fed will stop you know, raising interest rates, but I don't think that's the case. When the core is still 4.8%, you're almost, you know, 3% above the target range that the Fed wants to get to when it comes to inflation. And even then, that 4.8% on an annualized basis for the uh, core consumer price index was below analyst expectations. They were expecting 5%. Yeah, but it's not that much below. And the thing is, is you have to look at the rate of change, right? And the rate of change has been slowing, so we're not seeing steep declines like we did before. I mean, we were at almost 12 percent uh, last year and, or in, in, in October, I think, of 21. And the point is, is like um, the markets have been anticipating this for some time. Remember, if you go back to the beginning of the year, they were if the markets were anticipating three rate cuts by the Federal Reserve at the end of this year. That's all priced out. So I think you're looking at interest rates staying at this level. They'll probably. My guess is the Fed will raise rates this month, uh, despite this better than expected uh, CPI number. Now, is the Fed? Will they continue to look at the consumer price index and the PPI and the uh, personal consumption index uh, to kind of guide their thinking when it comes to interest rates, or will they look at other data going forward? Well, that's the key one. Um, They're also going to keep an eye on employment um, because uh, it has been very robust. We've created 1.6 million jobs in the United States this year. That's well above what anybody was expecting. Um, The unemployment rate is still very, very low at 3.6%. That's also driving labor inflation. And we know that the labor cost index, uh, this is something that's put out by the Atlanta Federal Reserve, is running at about 6%. So, you can't get to 2% on an inflation number without unemployment going up a bit here. And so we're just not there yet. And so the Fed's got to continue to raise interest rates. 
And the cost of shelter seems to be the thing that's really driving uh, the, the, the stickiest portion of core CPI, that, that's, that, that the rents are still higher and, and housing costs are still elevated, and that needs to come down before we could talk about uh, the, this inflation cycle coming to an end. Yeah, June rents were about 8.3% versus a year ago, and what we call the owner's equivalent rent was up 7.8%. So, I mean, those are not good numbers, right? And so anybody who's trying to buy a house knows how difficult it is in the sense that, number one, there's not a lot of houses available, and number two, it's expensive to do it. House prices have not come off enough, and the cost of getting a mortgage, meaning the interest rate, is pretty robust. It just put in a new high, I think, recently. So the thing is, is like, that's not going to ease off until we get a lot more supply onto the housing market. So until then, we're going to see um, inflation when it comes to housing remain pretty robust. Until unemployment goes up, we're going to see labor costs remain pretty robust. So, you know, as far as inflation goes, it will continue to slowly go down, but not at the pace that the Federal Reserve wants. Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economic futurist at andrewbush.com, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, looking to nonprofits to pad tax revenues. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As municipalities, including Chicago and Evanston, look to generate new tax revenues, some are considering a controversial program involving not-for-profit organizations. Let's learn more from Bob Reed, business writer and contributor with Chicago Magazine. Bob, thank you for joining us today. And the word is pilot, which stands for payment in lieu of taxes. And that has been bandied about as a potential uh, revenue stream in Arlington Heights if the Bears were to move there. But uh, some other suburbs are thinking about it involving another football stadium deal. That's right. We're talking about Evanston, where the uh, Northwestern University wants to put up a a $800 million facility. That's ignited talk about pilot programs, which you're absolutely right. It's payment in lieu of taxes. Bear in mind, these are nonprofits that do not pay property taxes, even though they enjoy some of the essential taxpayer-supported services, things like public safety, even garbage pickups and such. So the question is, why should a nonprofit basically operate a for-profit venue? That's if they add the concerts that Northwestern wants to add to that project. And it has neighbors asking, why don't they uh, contribute by way of a pilot program? And let's get into negotiating that. And that could be a potential revenue source for Mayor Brandon Johnson, who's already talking about some new taxes to levy on the business community. And uh, you suggest in your column to that uh, poss- that could be a possible another possible solution to raise some more revenue for some of his ambitious programs. He's talking $800 million in added tax revenues, and most of it is coming from business uh, interests. They're not happy about it, obviously, and there's going to be a lot of pushback. But the question comes to mind, if you're going after traditional business, why not go after some other traditional institutions as well, which are very much a part of the uh, the city fabric? Uh, that means nonprofits. We're talking about big universities that are also big landowners. Uh, you're talking about health care and medical centers that are also big landowners. I don't really know what they think about pilots, because when I've asked them, I haven't been able to get a real response, but I suspect they're not in favor of them. Uh, They feel that they add a lot to the community without having to uh, pay property taxes and that they pay other types of taxes. 
But the truth is that uh, these programs are taking off around the country, and particularly in big university towns, where universities like Yale and uh, Brown and such have entered into agreements with their municipalities because they feel it's the right thing to do. Now, it's very easy to say, look at DePaul with its Lincoln Park campus or Loyola with its uh, campus on the North Shore uh, in the Rogers Park neighborhood and just say, look, they have these these multi-million or billion-dollar endowments and, and they're very easy targets. But that's an especially thick uh, especially, uh, uh, it, it's, a, it's a real thicket to get into, talking about which uh, nonprofits to uh, uh, start the pilot discussions with and, and which ones to leave alone. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You don't want to go after maybe some small nonprofit that doesn't have the wherewithal uh, or is draining city resources. But it is fair to say that these other institutions, the larger ones, uh, you know, have to look at what they do and what they're giving back to the community. You know, a while ago, a lot of the big uh, health care uh, nonprofits came under fire by a member of the city council because it felt they felt they weren't doing enough for the community in terms of uh, charity services and such. And when you look at the data, the big medical centers are contributing a great deal of their revenues, particularly if, if you compare it to Stroger Hospital. So there's been talk that uh, the city should enter into a pilot program with the medical centers as well as the universities and see if there can't be more fairness there. My point in the column was that if if, uh, the Johnson administration is going to be looking for new tax revenues, and apparently it's talking about a a city income tax uh, as well, why not take a look at these other institutions and see where it leads? Bob Reed, business writer and contributor with Chicago Magazine. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, the upcoming release of the Barbie movie could be a boost for all things pink, and we'll have the details. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Forecasts are out on back-to-school spending, and retailers are also keeping an eye out for the Barbie factor this summer into the fall. Welcome in Jan Rogers Niffin, CEO of J. Rogers Niffin Worldwide, based in New York, of course. We're talking about the hype for the upcoming Barbie movie. And if you spent uh, any time on social media, especially Twitter, there's been so much discourse surrounding the Barbie movie. You'd think it'd been out for 25 years. It's not even the movie theater yet. But, uh, Jan, when, 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 you, when there's a movie coming down the pike that uh, could potentially be a culture-shifting movie, how does the retail industry prepare to meet that? Well, I'm sure they're all getting ready for a big surge in Barbie core. And I'm not surprised at that. Think about it. Barbie is going to turn 65 years old next year, and she's a movie star. I want to see the movie. I'm older than Barbie is. My wife wants to see the movie. She's considerably younger than Barbie. My 13-year-old daughter's dying to see the movie. Even if it's a bad movie, it's going to promote the brand dramatically. And it'll keep playing. It won't just be at the theaters, right? It'll be on television. We'll see the new Barbie movie for a very long time. So it doesn't have to do fabulously well to do well for branding. Because even if you think it's goofy or strange or whatever, and you see it, you still have Barbie in mind. And everybody will understand that it's affecting the way we look at things. So, you know, when Out of Africa came out, it changed retailing from the point of view of what people wanted to wear and drove the style. Barbie core can do the same thing, but better than that. I mean, what a win for Mattel. Whether it runs much in the way of fashion or not, it should drive the heck out of sales of their toys. 
so I, I just don't see that can be a lose. And I think the retailers are all jump on the bandwagon, and that'll be great. I think this kind of marketing is, well, come on. How would we have ever got this much attention for Barbie if you were just advertising? Well, I, been done. that's what I was going to say. Said, everybody's looking at it. That's what I was going to say. There is a uh, pop-up Barbie restaurant slash bar in Chicago. It's been out for a couple of months now, and it's a very popular place. And, of course, the movie's not going to be released until July 21st. And it, even the, the branded merchandise, the stuff from Mattel, doesn't necessarily – I mean, it, 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 there's, a, there's an effect beyond that because there actually is – uh, that that particular shade of pink that is part of the Barbie packaging, uh, even sales of items in that particular tone of color uh, could, could potentially be boosted by the uh, Barbie movie effect. Well, I don't have any doubt about that. How many times have you seen the trailer? I've seen at least five times, and I'm sure everybody else has. So that just comes into your psyche, right? You look at it and you say, oh, this is cool. This is interesting. This is strange. Whatever you think, but it affects the way everybody looks at products and I'm sure every designer is looking at it and you're right. Every color person is looking at the color. They're going, Hmm, what Pantone is that? Maybe I need that in my product next year. So that's going to happen across the board and I'm sure everybody's ready to react to it because it is going to drive a lot of sales no matter how well the movie does. Jan Rogers Niffin, CEO of J. Rogers Niffin Worldwide, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead in Personal Finance Wednesday, making sure you and your partner are on the same page financially. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Topping our news at the half hour, a deadly accident downstate overnight involves a passenger bus and several trucks. The latest from WBBM's Bernie Tafoya. The crash happened at the Silver Lake rest stop off westbound I-70. That's 33 miles from St. Louis. Greyhound says the bus had been traveling from Indianapolis to St. Louis. Illinois State Police say the bus hit three semis that were parked on the side of the exit to the rest stop. Video from a news chopper shows the entire right side of the bus is gone. State Police say three people in the bus died and 14 others were taken to hospitals, four of them by helicopter. Greyhound says its primary concern is ensuring the care of passengers and the driver. A relief bus had been sent to take uninjured passengers the rest of the way to St. Louis. Bernie Tafoya, News Radio, 1059 WBBM. Inflation has hit its lowest point in more than two years. It was 3% in June compared with a year earlier, down sharply from May's 4% annual rate. While that's still well above the Federal Reserve's 2% target rate, the drop is a sign the Fed's interest rate hikes have steadily slowed price increases after more than two painful years. Over the past 12 months, gas and used cars have become cheaper and grocery prices have risen more slowly than before. Still, most inflation measures remain uncomfortably high, and the Fed's expected to again boost its benchmark rate later this month after pausing last month. Sagar Magani, Washington. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues and the markets are higher off of that uh, cooler inflation report. 
Well, let's get the latest on trading today and some trends on Wall Street with Chuck Carlson, who is the CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond, Indiana. He joins us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home. Chuck, thank you for joining us today. And the Dow is up and uh, currently trading uh, 34,398.19, so very close to the bull market signal under the Dow Theory. That's correct. In order for the Dow theory to turn uh, bullish, you need the Dow Jones Industrial Average right now to close. And I emphasize close because we actually earlier in the day were above this level. But the Dow needs to close above 34,589.77. And and I know, Rob, that sounds like some random number there down to the second decimal. But in fact, it's the November 30 closing high. and, And that's significant under the Dow theory. So We've had uh, a significant new high uh, closure in the Dow Jones transportation average, but you need confirmation by the Dow Jones industrial average, and that confirmation will occur when, if and when the Dow closes above that level. And again, that level is 34,589.77. And and the larger lesson here, and I think this goes back even to the recovery from the Great Recession in 2014 when markets were higher, 2009 into 2010, because they saw the light at the end of the tunnel before the rest of us. And it seems that the markets have see, are, are seeing the soft landing before the rest of us this time. Well, yes. I mean, the markets, you know, people tend to forget, and, and, and they do it at their own harm, that markets are forward-looking. So oftentimes you'll get, you know, confirmed bull market signals at a time when there's a lot of question marks about, uh, about the economy, about the stock market. That's typically when it happens. And, but the market is kind of looking forward, you know, at least six months and when it, when it does move. And, you know, if, in fact, we get a confirmation by the Dow Jones Industrial Average, uh, you know, that would be an indication of a couple of things. One, that, uh, you know, a recession or a ser- serious recession is, is pretty much off the table. And two, uh, that the, the Fed continues to maybe kind of thread the needle here with a soft landing for the economy. So we've gotten through the uh, consumer price index for the month of June. We have a couple more inflation readings down the road. Now we get into earnings season in the second quarter. Uh, is there anything that would be inside those second quarter earnings reports from the big players that could potentially derail this momentum? Well, the short answer is yes. And, and because, you know, we've rallied so strongly into this earnings season that, you know, that has raised expectations and, you know, stocks trade on earnings expectations or how that, how well they meet those expectations. So, you know, they're elevated right now. So, you know, the the next impetus for this market is really going to come from the corporate earnings that are going to be reported and the guidance companies give. And, you know, it is possible again, if we don't get that confirmation in the Dow Jones industrial average, that that could be, foreshadowing that perhaps earnings may come in a, a bit disappointing or at least not meeting expectations. So, you know, the, the next two or three weeks are, are, are going to be quite pivotal for the market, both in terms of can it maintain this near-term momentum and what will earnings have to say about the market?
Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, overcoming money issues in a relationship. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and in this segment, we're covering a topic that can cause tension between couples. Of course, we're talking money. We welcome in Chris Everett, fiduciary financial planner, president of Everett Wealth Solutions, in Forest Park and author of the book, The Prescription for a Healthy Retirement. Chris, thank you for joining us today. And of course, uh, when you're a financial planner, you're more than just someone who's in charge of dollars and cents. You have to have all the, uh, uh, the, the, all the qualities of a good bartender, a sympathetic ear and the ability to smooth over conflicts and make people feel better. And that's certainly the case when you're talking to couples who have different ideas about money. Absolutely. You know, it's like playing tug of war with a big pile of mud in between you, you know. So if you're not going in the same direction, somebody's going to fall in the mud. Even scripture says a house divided against itself cannot stand. So you have to come together and be on the same page. And remember when you first met each other, how you looked at each other, then you looked forward at the future and you said, here's where we're going. And then life occurs. And then all of a sudden you're looking at each other and blaming each other. We have workarounds for that to help people get back on the same page. One of those great workarounds is on our website and it's absolutely free. Go to everettwealthsolutions.com, everettwealthsolutions.com resources, go all the way down to the bottom and you'll see a communication profile that we give to you for free. It's a valuable report. Take it. Both of you should take it and see what it looks like. We actually blend those reports so that we can see the direction that people are going in when they process information or manage change, face risk, and problem solve. It can be a marriage-saving tool. And generally, Chris, you know, honesty is the best policy, even when you're talking about uh, shared finances within a marriage. You know, be honest about how much you make. Uh, Be honest about what you're buying. Uh, Don't, you know, try to make secret big ticket purchases and things like that. Financial infidelity that we have uh, talked about in the past. But what other challenges can come up uh, inside a marriage or a relationship? And of course, you you know, out in the western suburbs, and you probably run into this uh, quite a bit, and that is... uh, Uh, couples who are married, they're very honest, they keep all of their finances together, but they run into the pressure of keeping up with the Joneses. What do you counsel in that situation? Oh, I love that question. So that's why we use the tools that we use, because when we have honest information from the couple, and we know all of their expenses, all of their income and assets, you can see the impact of your lifestyle. And if the lifestyle doesn't fit, well, it's up to you to do something about it. All I can do is really point it out and give you some ideas. I have a couple right now that is actually wanting to spend way more than they can afford, but they still want to retire very early. And so it's a very big disconnect. And yes, I have to put my counseling hat on. And like I said, I think that the secret to success, if you want to go into being a financial planner, uh, choose that as a career. Obviously, you have to have the CV, you have to have all the paperwork taken care of, but you really do have to have a good sense of empathy and you need to know how to smooth over conflicts to really succeed. 
Yeah, everybody has to listen. So I call myself the CLO, the chief listening officer of the firm, but I make sure that the couple is listening as well. I mean, it may be as simple as saying, please, let's just honor each other. So while one is talking, the other one isn't. And we get to listen and ask, what did you hear? What was your takeaway today? And it just checking in like that can make a difference as well. Chris Everett, fiduciary financial planner, president Everett Wealth Solutions and the chief listening officer in Forest Park. Thank you for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday and still to come, Domino's Pizza makes a major delivery decision. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. For the first time, Domino's Pizza will be working with a third-party delivery app. Let's get the latest from RJ Hadavi, head of analytical research at the Foot Traffic analysis firm Placer AI based in Chicago. RJ, thank you for joining us today. And this is quite the about face for Domino's, RJ, because uh, this is a company that famously uh, knocked third-party delivery apps in their advertising, and now they're turning around and coming back hat in hand. Yeah, you're right. This is certainly a uh, you know a major change for the company. Uh, as you pointed out, the company has long said that they would not uh, partner with third-party delivery apps, uh, wanting to keep the control in-house uh, to make sure product quality and you know overall brand uh, integrity was uh, first and foremost. So I think last year the company saw some pressure in delivery. Um, you know, what we saw coming out of the pandemic is basically everybody started to have delivery options. And I think with uh, the space got a lot more crowded, they weren't the only player in the game anymore. And uh, as we've continued to see more and more people uh, continue to, to do delivery, it put a, 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 you know, a dent in their business. And so I think this is them coming back and saying, hey, we, uh, you know, we're willing to partner with you. But again, um, you know, we want to keep control. We're going to do the deliveries ourselves. And I think this is kind of a, a nice win-win for, uh, for both companies, uh, both Domino's and, and Uber, uh, Uber Eats is who they're partnering with on this one. Is this also a uh, function of the very tight labor market that there are just so many more options out there that uh, they're just having a hard time finding delivery drivers to keep in-house? Yeah, I think that's too, absolutely a case here, too, is that uh, um, it has been a tight labor market coming out of the pandemic. It has improved a little bit since last year, but still pretty tight. And I think that is another issue they ran into. And frankly, we, we had heard that they lost a lot of drivers during the, uh, you know, coming out of the pandemic to third-party delivery uh, services. So I think this is a, a way to at least kind of uh, recapture some of that and, you know, at least have that partnership there. 30 years ago, Domino's was famous or even infamous for their 30 minutes or it's free delivery promise. So uh, delivery was very much uh, always part of the uh, Domino's business model. Uh, Where is it today? It's interesting because we have seen, uh, again, a lot of competitive pressure in the delivery space. And to your point, they were really the pioneers in this section. And, you know, it's uh, honestly, it's, it's kind of ironic that a lot of the restaurant chains and a lot of the other, even a lot of the retailers that we see out there have emulated a lot of the dominance business model. Um, if you think about it at, the, at its core, it's effectively, uh, you know, kind of one of these delivery kitchen or ghost kitchens out there, what Domino's has, uh, a small box format that you can do a lot of deliveries through. And there's so many players in the space starting to replicate this model. So they were an early pioneer, but they've almost been a victim of their own success. I'd say right now it's interesting because we 
are starting to see there is so many delivery options out there. Um, I think the, the overall popularity of delivery is a little bit down year over year just because uh, of so many fees that have been on top of it and uh, consumers being squeezed by inflation, but certainly well ahead of where we were pre-pandemic. And mm-hmm. so I think that's what Domino's is faced with right now, a lot of competition on that front. In fact, actually, uh, they tried doing a lot more uh, you know, carryout orders last year, which would help uh, with the, uh, the cost of delivery here. Um, so I think that's been the big challenge is that delivery is still popular, but there's more competition and it's more costly. And so finding ways to kind of offset that and expand its audience at the same time. And I think that's at the core of what they're doing with the uh, Uber Eats partnership here. RJ Hadavi, head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI in Chicago. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.